0: Listen to me, traitor. I believe that you've received the death message from our Ninja Empire. Ninja is supreme and you have double crossed it. Why did you do that? I have to reform the Ninja ninja Empire.
1: That is why I took away. That is why I took away the Golden Ninja Warrior. The Golden Ninja Warrior. You've got three days in which to return the Golden Ninja Warrior. Right? Welcome to the Golden Ninja Podcast 12 on The Vampire is Alive and Revenge of the Vampire. And we head back into Thomas Tang's love for the commercial elements of vampires. Hopping vampires, that is. But more. Commercial elements on home grounds in Hong Kong rather than internationally. That's where it broke through. Still, through Robo Vampire, Thomas Tang not only injected that and some bionic Robo nonsense, but made nearly a full movie about it. I.e., Filmock shot most of Robo Vampire themselves, and two more loosely connected. I anyway loosely connect them robo-movies followed. And they are The Vampire is Alive aka Counter Destroyer, which use the same formula of letting their footage dominate the proceedings with only some sprinkles from Thailand in this case. And in Revenge of the Vampire aka Devil's Dynamite we get a new robo-of-sorts uh, that is then cut and pasted together with Gangster fare from Taiwan. And while it on the surface looks like Filmok extends their Robo-Warrior character from Robo-Vampire and uh, the vampire is alive with Revenge of the Vampire. This third example, Revenge of the Vampire, merely sort of extends the tradition of Filmok not being very apt at designing science-fiction-style Metal Warriors. But uh, with me to break it all down, if it is any good or not, uh, uh, break it down Vampire and Robo-Warrior style, that is, is... Neon harbors at Glazer, So say hi, buddy. Hey, hey, how's it going? It's very good. I'm in a robo, robo mode and vampire mode, and it's so so fitting that there are movies that correspond to this, at least two. So so yeah, are you a robo warrior kind of guy or are you a futuristic warrior kind of guy? Uh, I'm I'm in the robo warrior camp, team robo warrior. We'll, uh, we'll have a debate uh, later on in the show about uh, if uh, Futuristic Warrior from the latter movie is uh, better than robot Warrior or not, or vice versa. But uh, that's uh, it's an amusing fact uh, to have a show called The Golden Ninja Podcast that deals with cut-and-paste movies, ninja movies mostly. But these companies had deeper feelings towards certain commercial elements, and these hopping vampires comm- were commercial elements from Hong Kong. Thomas Tang clearly loved that, and we'll discuss uh, some more of that. But hey, Ed, uh, before you do your plug, uh, even though this, uh, I don't know when this is going going to be released, but a little Tweety Bird told me that uh, you are taking a a pilgrimage sort of journey to your beloved country of Turkey.
0: I am, yes. That's my first time. Um, It's going to happen in May. It looks like I'm going to have the opportunity to meet some of the the stars and the filmmakers behind uh, some of the amazing uh, Turkish films of the industry's heyday.
1: So you're gonna um, look up locations and stuff like that. Here's where they shot Turkish Star Wars. Here's where they fired that uh, wonderful um thump weapon from uh, from Turkish wonder. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I don't think I'll be able to go all the way to to
0: Izmir. I'll probably be mostly in Istanbul, but. Um, at least i'll I'll see the people if not uh, the places and there's a very very uh faint possibility that I might be able to uh say hello to Junate Arkan oh. star of Turkish Star Wars and as we know ninja killer
1: well just to start uh, checking the roof of Istanbul is yes. it here is it here is is it rational to look up here? He did it in a movie once. But uh, but yeah, it's it certainly look picturesque, and I'm I'm glad you're do, doing the journey for both uh, holiday purposes and uh, for this purpose uh, purpose that matches your cinematic uh, fandom and all of that. And heck, even picking up some of the language—that's uh, uh, going above and beyond, my friend. So good on you.
0: Just uh you know, just an introductory uh, conversational Turkish. I don't know that any of it's going to stick, but I'm trying.
1: I very much uh, wish you luck on that uh, trip, and I hope it's super, super fun. And I uh, hope you can uh, document some of your journey, if, uh, if only for personal uh, purposes, to uh, sort of uh, make it uh, make it immortal. And uh, hey, hey, there's uh, plenty of cho- uh, chances to go go there again. So I hope it's a I hope it's a good time.
0: Tashikur Ederim, which is thank you, but in a really terrible accent.
1: And for, and for some reason, being such a for better or worse, a cultural cultural geek all i kept thinking of is the monty python skit with the uh, hungarian to english uh, phrase the, book yes oh, if i, I know, told right. you i had a beautiful body would you hold it against me i am no longer infected yes but 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 it seems like you haven't picked up that book in regards to your turkish uh, lessons that you're taking so to say not so, yet yeah. good 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 uh well i wish you luck on that but then the plug away neon harbor where, what is that about and uh, what is the turkish connection to neon harbor in short
0: Sure. Um, well, uh, I am a filmmaker and an amateur film scholar, and um, not only do I do a uh, do a web series that sort of spoofs the kinds of movies that we talk about in the show called Ninja: The Mission Force, but um, I also have a nonfiction series called Deja View, which is a short form series that looks at uh, foreign ripoffs, remakes, and knockoffs of uh, popular hollywood and hollywood-esque movies and many of them are turkish
1: so it's an enjoyable show and i even heard a little tweet about it yourself promise the world that there's something happening with deja view again which i'm happy to hear so it's a it's a it's in production again indeed anything anything vague you want to taste uh, t- t- tease us with or are you like revamping it totally or is the continuation of the path you've been following so far with it it's uh it's
0: a continuation. I'm just uh doing another set of five episodes and it's very possible that by the time this episode is up in fact it's very probable uh that the episodes will already be up but I'm doing three Turkish films, a Russian film and an Indonesian film.
1: Right. Oh, like this uh that's um promising material based on encounters alone there, so very much looking forward to that. And it's uh, neonharbour.com, isn't it? Yes. For people who do not not know. Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, I'll do the rest of the contact information and this is the Golden Ninja Podcast on the Podcast on Fire network. We are located on podcastonfire.com this show along with uh, other shows on Hong Kong cinema, Japanese cinema, Sleazy cinema, and in this case ninja or cut and paste uh, cinema, whether it involves ninjas, vampires, or uh, just regular dudes acting acting in modern action movies versus older action movies. They've cut, to, cut themselves into you have plenty of choices in a way available on podcastonfire.com along with bonus episodes. If you have any questions or feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is podcastonfire at googlemail.com. If you go to to the website You see handy buttons leading to our Facebook presence, which will lead you to our page and our discussion group. Uh, There's a button leading to our Twitter, our iTunes feed, which you can subscribe to, rate, and even leave a comment on. And also our Stitcher Radio web presence. Uh, Stitcher Radio is where you can stream us. But they also have applications available on the Apple App Store and Google Play. And uh, I write about uh, these kind of movies, among other things. And uh, there's also room for... Regular Hong Kong movies, uh, sleazy movies, Taiwanese movies, and what have you at SoGoodReviews.com, and my video hub is SleazyKVideo.com, and uh, but uh, my Twitter is also uh, my Twitter handle is at SoGoodReviews, and also a little shout out as usual to Jesus Perez Molina, the Guru, the Master of uh, all things IFD and film arc knowledge, even though he's so humble, and I wouldn't blame him because I'm kind of that way too. But we look up to him. We try and further the information that he has presented to the world to make sure. So as much correct info is presented as possible, including on this show that uh, that will start properly in a short short bit. Uh, So his uh, blog, uh, Golden Ninja Warrior Chronicles, is not updated anymore or currently, but there's uh, a huge catalog there of uh, plenty of uh, blog posts concerning the source movies that were used within a variety of cut and paste movies, whether there were from IFD or Filmark and there's probably uh, some on these vampire movies as well so uh, there you are visit him and uh, that direct link to uh, to his blog is available in the show post along with everything else I've just told you and in the meantime we'll take a short musical break and uh, probably featuring some stolen music from The Vampire is Alive aka Counter Destroyer which is the first movie up for review in this episode so sit tight and we'll be back. Welcome back and the first review of this episode is The Vampire is Alive from 1988 and plot from my review of the film. It goes as follows. Shooting quite a bit of footage themselves, film like that is, to be inserted alongside a Thai movie starring Sorapong Chatturi, good friend. The story is of two girls, Cindy and Joyce, setting up in a house to write a screenplay while strange not too scary things start happening around them. This is contrasted with a plot about a female private investigator in the Thai movie trying to bring villainous movie producer Jackson to justice. Ninjas and the robot warrior from RoboVampire eventually join the fray 2 let's see if we can sort out that laundry why in the hell he's in this movie too and if that's any good or not but uh, first of all that a short bite-sized opinion about the vampire is alive
0: uh, i found it wildly confusing but um i think maybe more enjoyable than the second movie on on tap today There's a lot that I didn't quite understand because I think that they took some liberties trying to cram two plots together. Um, The private investigator just straight up kills people. And I suspect that there's a there is a revenge plot going on that we're not let it on from the original film Uh, and um, some nonsense about the villains being movie producers, uh, which makes no sense uh, that they're behind murders and stuff. And it's like, no, they're obviously gangsters.
1: Yeah, it is, um, indeed, uh, there's some retooling going on here that is uh, far not very related to the plot that Thomas Tang, production designer, Thomas Tang, nonetheless. Uh, that that was, uh, always amuses me, and it sort of makes sense. His credit, obviously being producer, but also production designer. Mm-hmm. And so, like, yeah, he did design this. It, it has nothing to do with, yeah, he, you know, planned the interior of the house or anything. Nope, he, this is his production. He designed it. That makes sense to me.
0: Right, Exactly.
1: Uh, my quick opinion, uh, when they all of a sudden introduced the robot warrior from RoboVampire by the end, you know for sure, for me anyway, what you've known since the early frames, that i.e., when the vampire is alive, lets loose, lets itself go. That, that, that sort of feels relaxed to me. They do it in a manner of fun, despite a lot of things not making sense. Uh, I think there's a fun energy here. And it might have been a flop on the bias market for filmock. I'm pretty certain it was. But goddammit, I mean, Thomas Tang and crew, I'm sure, were sort of proud and could laugh at and with their own work. Yeah. It's not as good as RoboVampire, but it's still fun. So, we're talking a little bit about Cindy and Joyce, our uh, two uh, female leads here. I think that's quite unusual, that filmock uh, went with uh, one female lead and uh, second, two female leads. I mean, we have um, Shadow Killers, Tiger Force, uh, with the the women in prison movie. Where we mm-hmm. had a female lead, so so good on them for for switch doing a switcheroo and a little bit. Uh, these uh, girls uh, believe in their product that they're writing a significant script. Oh my gosh! About the Emperor of China, I think th- these are these girls seem a little bit pretentious that they're gonna take the world by storm.
0: I I need you to put in some uh, sound bites of her talking about her screenplay because they're amazing.
1: I need a place absolutely quiet, otherwise I can't concentrate on my script writing. More important, this script about the last Emperor of
0: China is so significant that it may just turn around my whole
1: career. If she would have pitched that to an actual studio, with, with the passion that we hear in this movie, or oh, oh, mind you, they're they're talking, you know, between each other as friends, but the pitch is not very uh, you know, it doesn't blow your hair back. Let's just say that. But yeah, I I, I have some notes about uh, the uh, from from the wildly uneven acting that goes on here, including that uh, including that pitch. Uh, she uh, she sounds like a sort of total uh, airhead, and uh,
0: I would I would compare her to the female lead in Lady Terminator, the Indonesian sort of Terminator ripoff, who uh, says, "I'm I'm not a lady. I'm an archaeologist. <laughs>
1: I'm sorry. Even out of context, that just sounds like like we can write it and therefore it's true. Sort of like they convince themselves in their head that that by day this, by night this kind of thing. Wow, well, uh, not seen that. I've seen a Hong Kong movie called Lady Terminator. So sometimes I always, sometimes I think like, wow, people know this movie and it's that instead, probably that way better movie because uh, Lady yeah, Lady Terminator, maybe Lady Exterminator. Hong Kong movie is uh, sort of a low budget uh, category free adult uh, revenge movie. So. Um, mm it may may not take a huge brainstorm session for film to like do this cut and paste illusion here, this uh, trick to believe that it's uh, one movie but I think it's always clever Ed, that, uh, for the illusion even though we can tell it apart that they mix western and Chinese cast, uh, but also uh, they, this is the bewildering part of this vampire run that the commercial elements that Thomas Tang, Thomas Tang is going with is very eastern flavoured the hopping vampires were not this huge a huge international thing. It stayed very much around Asia. So you, you obviously get the Wacky Towers priest here in the beginning, played by uh, actor To Suming, often turned up in comedic roles, believe it or not Ed, this was not oh a romantic hunk or anything. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, he, he does this thing reliably enough. Uh, but uh, our... You know, not only is our uh, airhead, so to say, a um, uh, script, scriptwriter, a little bit of a pretentious woman, she's also totally on the edge because she puts a gun, gun on him.
0: Once the spirit enters your body, it's like a parasite and it'll torture you and you wish you were dead.
1: That really arouses my interest. Isn't it right that in the Qing Dynasty, the boxes in the White Lotus were closely related to Taoism? Cindy, let's have a look. It should be interesting for the research. Uh-huh. For for no reason, because she, she's sort of, a, oh, what's he doing, the rituals and stuff like that. And, uh, um, and, and also we get the scary dairy horror involving uh, plastic skulls following these ladies around in daylight. It's the best. I mean, the whole opening, like several scenes are fantastic. It is that fun energy, isn't it? I mean, we're not sitting there and going like, wow, outstanding. But it is that fun energy, isn't it? It started
0: off uh, a little inauspiciously when um, the films, the the movie's producer, the producer of this Emperor of China movie, uh, puts the two girls in a car and they drive off and they're like, "Good luck, re- good luck writing the script, boy. I hope I hope the script turns out well." And I thought, you know, you probably should have written the script before you
1: started filming, guys. Uh, so so far so goofy uh, uh, you know it, d- despite it being sort of flat filmmaking I mean it's not exceptional or anything but it needs a genre push though to matter and they, they do try uh, obviously where as soon as nighttime comes in but uh, you know w- when you think of that ratio reversal that we talk of i.e when Phil mark shoots and presents most of the footage that they shot themselves and there's only sprinkles of the original uh, original movie I mean is that a delight automatically or a red flag uh, for you during the few times that it happened
0: no it's, it's usually positive because because they're trying to sell these movies uh, and usually with some kind of spectacle or or genre elements or you know something a little bit funner over the top i mean ninjas and so forth you know it's going there's going to be more fun to it there's going to be more weird stuff there's going to be more just Interest even if it's not a great film. And so uh I prefer it when FilmArk and IFT shoot stuff even if it's not, you know, stellar, because probably it's going to be better than the film that they are uh incorporating.
1: It turns out that it is like that because you think that there is a red flag there because of the basic filmmaking nature that they normally presented during those 10-15 minutes we usually got, and the feeling of that being stretched out, that could have been a red flag. But all the examples I've seen it turns out they're pretty good at feeling it themselves uh, because they have sort of genre elements to throw in there and uh, that is nice padding rather than desperate padding
0: yeah well you know i mean i think that's that's i think you put it rather well it's um the thing is that when you only have when you're only obligated to fill about 15 minutes of time you can repeat the same thing over and over again like um you know our favorite deathless list death list. kinds of films whereas if you are required if you have to put in you know 50 minutes of footage um, you can't do that, so you are forced to have a plot, and if you get bored of writing it, then you can throw in um, a robot.
1: Filmmaking 101, people.
0: <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly.
1: <laughs> throw in a robot. like uh, and, uh, Certain directors adhere to that uh, for three hours at a time. Transformers. you know, Throw yes. in a robot, everything will work out. We don't know this, so we don't have Thomas Tang to interview about these things since he's uh, unfortunately passed away. But uh, do you, having seen these Robo-Warriors with vampire t- tinted elements and all of that, do, do you think Thomas Tang made a sort of a personal decision to feature it? Because this is cool, I like it. Or did do you think he s- totally believed as a businessman that this was it? This was the flavor for international audiences?
0: I would read that, that Thomas Tang, you know, people I, – and I think there are more surmises that Thomas Tang, like, became obsessed with the uh, the chinese hopping vampires, the – what is it, Kyungsi, something yeah, like that? Yeah, Kyungsi. And so he started incorporating them into his films, and I think that that's probably untrue. I think that movies like Mr. Vampire and Its Ilk were successful enough that he thought that there might be something to adding them in, you know, a la ninjas and stuff. But that's just a guess on my part.
1: How about you? It's a good guess, but – I think he his timing is off because at when he started doing it, um, he he, he should have been doing it already in '85 and '86 if he wanted to uh, catch the boom. Because Mister Vampire, that series kept going for a while. First three movies quite alright, uh, but but all, all the copycats came came coming and uh, came along. And by 1988, if this is indeed a 1988 production, we sometimes uh, do not know for sure. The the flavor was sort of starting to fade. there. He's not like ten years late, but I uh, always thought like it's a bit too late to go with this. But maybe he felt like he wanted to could inject some fuel into it. And there are some touches that are definitely not in all the other Hong Kong movies. That they sort of gruesome touches, uh, you know, the gore touches or as much gore as Thomas Tang and his crew can produce. There, there was sort of a more zombie tinted feeling to these movies rather than the mr vampire movies that they that feature these hopping vampires they would bite you but they weren't very zombie like in aggression like we see in these ah. movies so that was sort of his touch i think which i sort of appreciated yeah see i'm glad i'm glad you i'm glad you said that because i i was
0: I was purely purely guessing do you remember what the towers priest said to me he said something terrible's gonna happen to me do you believe him
1: but they, you know, going back to film, Mark, I mean, it, it does force them to write more characters and interaction. Um, so, in 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 this movie, if we focus on this movie, I mean, you sort of approve of it across the board in these movies. That it's not, it's nothing bad with them taking reins of the movie themselves. But how does it fare in this movie as acted and dubbed? I mean, do they manage to keep the momentum going in their scenes? Yes,
0: I think so, um, and I think they do it by just throwing spaghetti at the wall
1: and um
0: and seeing what sticks because uh i mean like we were talking about before i don't know if it gets boring throw something else in throw in a ninja throw in throw in nightmare on elm street throw in you know whatever just just do it just do something and i'm like well okay i'll watch that it may not make sense but i'm riveted
1: because i want to see what nonsense you throw at me next yeah and that is pretty much true i think it's not the most insane intensity i've seen ever but again it doesn't um very uh, depressing the way they are trying to please us it is rather fun as uh, these different elements come at us I mean they do feature ninjas but you know we haven't forgot that flavor you know we're still doing that a little bit so uh go, getting back to the movie do you think Cindy the 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 girl with uh, uh, the long hair long flowy hair curly hair do you think do you think she's dubbed by a man? Uh, she does have
0: a husky voice, but, uh, but no, I don't think so.
1: It's like, yeah, come on, couldn't you find a woman? I thought, thought like, it sounded so like, wait a minute. It was sort of husky and, and
0: not Anglo sounding, sort of had, a, had an accent to it.
1: Nothing's evil is going to happen to us. If you still think about this, you won't be able to finish your story. Now, boss will commit
0: suicide
1: yeah so there it is throughout the you, you know you see ice in a painting and uh you know uh, certain age old horror tactics show up here you know the the night scenes are lit in blue there's smoke and all of that i mean these are age old horror tactics obviously is that all like sufficient and acceptable considering the movie they're they're doing here? i mean i mean i'm not asking if it's scary because i'm i i know for a fact you didn't think this was scary but uh, you know is it all acceptable and fun Yeah, well, I think fun is the right word.
0: It's, you know, I mean, it's, it's. I mean, I
1: mean, a guy gets strangled by a phone cord at one point, you know, come on. Right, right at the beginning of the film. Yeah. They just, that's, they just lead with that. And that's our friend uh, uh, Sun Chen, uh, actor and stuntman, and he, he appears in, this, in these movies, and he uh, is the vampire then throughout the movie. Yeah, so um, he does uh, uh, a damn good job, I think. I think he's a, he has a good energy about him being so used to actually working for Shaw Brothers and stuff like that. He was not The Five Venoms. He was part of that gang, or The Five Deadly Venoms. Oh, cool. Don't remember who he was, like uh, who out of the Scorpion or blah blah blah, who he was. But uh, he he was part of that gang, and damn fine martial artist. So gotta go where the work is, man. I mean, and F- mark uh, put you in charge of filmmaking aspects. I'm all, I'm so convinced that he worked on the action too, although we never see these credits because, as per usual, in the credits the names are all, uh, you know, Western, you know, Steve this and Albert this and blah blah blah. So
0: Homer and so forth. Yeah, the um. Uh, my understanding is that there were a fair number of um, of ex-Shaw Brothers folks who uh, started working for
1: IFD and Filmark. Totally. Kong Do, uh, or Donald Kong here, appeared in Filmark movies and IFD movies. And uh, that that's always the thing with, uh, like, who is the... F- like, if it's not Godfrey, oh, who is Joe Livingstone? Who is Edgar Jerry, or Jer, uh, as, as in uh, the, the directing credit for this one? And I think we've all sort of come to the understanding that it's probably... You know, having asked Jesus Perez Molina and the community, that these directing credits probably belong to a number of people that were behind the screen because um, or scenes, and even in front of, because they they were all around. Uh, the guys like Tommy Cheng, who did get credited every now and again, Kong Do, as I said, Sun Chen, and a variety of um, you know stuntmen and uh, action performers. So I think film Rock sort of it never felt to me Ed, that. There was one director, like, on a Godfrey Ho joint, where he clearly was the narrative director, and uh, there was action directors beside him and all of that. I don't know about you, Ed, but I kind of like that theory. They work together as a team, you know? I I think that's
0: accurate, honestly.
1: I mean, we got Joe Livingstone. He's back for the second movie, and uh, who was the director of RoboVampire, but again, they, they, these guys, you, you, they pop up, you see them behind the makeup and all of that, so I think uh, Thomas Tanks surrounded himself with a sort of core team, and who knows, maybe he, he called the shots, you know, called action and cut on the set, unfortunately we do not have a lot of documented uh, material that uh, can sort of uh, uh, prove this theory, but uh, we at least know that it's not Godfrey Ho, we're damn certain of that, so... It's a Thai movie. I, I, it doesn't have uh, an English name, the source movie, that they uh, occasionally cut to here. I mean, Sora Pongchatri, who's probably the lead, uh, credited as the lead in the original movie, he turns up midway point. Seems like it's Jackie, the character of Jackie, that the uh, female actress uh, plays. It seems like it's her movies. And when they start to interact, the movies, uh, the the few times that they do, uh, how convincing, I always ask this, how convincing is it that this is totally one Movie, yeah, this one not so much. You know,
0: the film stock looks pretty different, and then all of the plot elements are just not—they just don't gel. I think this is maybe one of the ones that that fits
1: the least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because sometimes they didn't change the plot from the originals. I I have seen some of the original movies, and even down to dialogue. If you follow the subtitles and remember the IFT or Fieldmark movie. You sort of see that they haven't altered things at all. They sort of just use the original movie as the leap-off point, but the original movie in this case had nothing to do with vampires. I'm damn curious though about her because, as you alluded to, she's cold-blooded like you read about. um, You know, it turns out she's a PI. We know that. Uh, She just flat out shoots a guy in the head with a mini crossbow. Scene one, and I'm dying sort of to know what is the context here. Is she? Totally evil, or is this a cold, vicious world where this is needed? (laughs) You know, I am literally curious about that. And having said all of that, I think she looks great in the movie. Beautiful woman, and she comes at this with, uh, like, you know, energy, and she has a feist about her. You know, she's not a ditzy presence or anything. But, uh, yeah, I kind of like that. I mean, the glimpses we get into her cold blooded nature. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think it's probably a solid actioner, um, and uh, I think it would make a lot more sense in its original form. I have a suspicion that it's some sort of uh, revenge movie, but um, I don't have any actual proof of, proof of that.
1: No, exactly. I mean, they—they. They, I don't remember which... I talked to Jesus Perez Molina once about uh, this one, um, and... Uh... I don't remember if he said that this is uh, a lost movie or if, he, if it was available on, like, VCD in Thailand or whatever. Uh, obviously not English subtitle, though. But, uh, I mean, she she has these... Uh, this, uh, she poisons this guy by sort of uh, cutting his uh, hand or putting stuff on his hand, and all of a sudden his hand deteriorates. So it makes noise, the Thai movie. Like, whoa, this is not, like, boring... Running around in your village shooting at people like in the Catman movies or whatever. Like this has something more than we're than we used to. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm, there's, there's exactly. Some, like, whoa, gruesome. Well, this must be your lucky night, girls. <laughs> Jackson's the most famous film producer in town. But ever since that man Jim Walton was murdered, that is. He's always on the lookout for talent, and you girls have got it. So yeah, it it makes noise. Um, it makes noise, and then you know, boom, smash cut back to Phil Mark, who are. You know, doing the basic, you know, cat jumps into the frame type of scares. You know, there's no game-changing horror here, but the night scenes are really well lit. I think the Hong Kong crew that Tang got here surely were veterans of the industry. They knew how to light these uh, scenes in in that blue fashion with the smoke machine going and all of that. And uh, it looks like a, a sort of a proper little Hong Kong movie to me. Yeah. But uh, the comedic priest gets sort of tiring. Uh, Lam Xingying, Ying, who was the lead in the Mr. Vampire movies, he had his underplayed comedic persona. He was sort of this out-of-touch master, uh, out-of-touch with the evolving world that's uh, start, is starting to embrace Western elements, so he didn't know how to properly like drink tea and stuff like that. But he wasn't these wacky comedic persons like Tosu Mingus. And that is... Uh, You know, it's an acquired taste. It doesn't last for long, but it's kind of useless comedy because when, you know, he steps in a bucket of crap or whatever, so he's totally useless as a a Taoist priest, you know, know, busting heads and what have you. Thankfully, it was short, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, well. And he's also got his two
1: comic relief vampires. They are bloodsucking all right, but he he controls them. And, uh, you know, they they are... One of them is... um, Comedic presence in a ton of movies. I'm I'm blanking on his name now. It's Wonder uh, Cross-eyed uh, fellas uh, that uh, plays uh, uh, Wonder Vampires You can see him in the Jackie Chan movie with the Young Master, among other things. But uh, it, it is a really the, uh, the the best part of uh, part of it all. But. Uh, it, it, and there is a lot, like, going back to the Time movie, there is a lot of things that just simply doesn't make sense. Again, they are connecting it to something way unconnected, but there, there's, like, plot elements missing. There, there's a character gets kid, that gets kidnapped, called Fanny, and in a scene or two she's released and she has just sung on stage. Like they're doing a club of some kind. There, there's missing stuff, even though it's probably not missing, but there, there's sort of just logical lapses here. Where you characters come and go, and when you they do focus on them, there's missing stuff. Despite so, uh, the Thai movie doesn't, uh, you know, get plus points uh, for that. So, but but it, but it does look a little bit better than most Thai movies we see in these source movies so what do you think about that it looks a little bit more professional to my eyes sure sure i mean i don't i don't, I really don't have the the body of, of
0: knowledge unfortunately um so i'm i'm going to i'm going to defer to you on this one
1: well compare compare it to the Catman stuff you remember these movies were just yeah. like a village bound kind of low-budget movies right. where with guys in t-shirts playing gangsters yes
0: Yes, okay, yes, and I know exactly the ones that you're talking about, and those get very tedious, and fortunately this did not have that.
1: Yeah, no, I I, I agree, I completely agree. But but yeah, the, I think the only example I've noted where it's clearly, they're the picking odd footage to match the vampire horror plot. Uh, Jackie interacts with some of the leads, including the one that turns out to be... The Robo Warrior. I don't remember his damn name. Uh, they, they sort of come and go, these two guys. But they sort of pick footage with Jackie, for instance, with a wild reaction from for her. She She's on a staircase, and then she looks through, you know, the stair the stair railing and things, and, like, reacting widely to him saying that uh, we're going to go to a fortune teller now. Oh, yeah. You are spot on with that thing you said earlier in the review, that there's... They don't have a logic, like a logical sort of. um, They don't go hand in hand, these movies. So, plot wise, so they have to pick some reaction that might match. Clearly, in the original, she's reacting to something that means something more than other than two guys are saying that they're going to go a place and meet a guy. (laughs) They're going to go talk to a
0: a fortune teller about whether their movie about the last emperor of China is is going to be successful.
1: The truth is at times unwelcome. Any female members of your group are marked for catastrophe. (gasps) But all of the obstacles will soon disappear. And your new film will be most successful.
0: Oh. They're going to have a bird come out and, and tell the fortune. It's a weird scene. A bird was well trained. The fortune teller has a little bird that comes out and picks and picks an envelope out of a stack of envelopes that has uh, that has her fortune on it. It's uh, it's neat. I have this I have this suspicion that this is a guy who who does that. And uh, someone was like, we need to put this in our movie.
1: Yep, yes, yeah, so he's probably on the streets every day doing that stuff, uh, whether it's accurate or 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 not, or just a big old scam. But uh, that bird deserves some uh, points and some treats, and it didn't got it got some treats. So. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, I I I delight. Um, you know, I find it delighting when the genres are mixed up and all of that in these movies when the source movie is totally unrelated. Uh, you know, Ninja Commandments versus, you know, the Godfrey, uh, the old movie versus the Godfrey Ho footage or the Joseph Lai footage. He's the director on that one. I'm, I normally am delighted with the mixture of genres. It's a bit more shaky here. But, you know, in, in general, just to sort of throw back a little to old discussions, I mean, how, how do you like it when IFD or Phil Mark mixes and matches things that are totally unrelated to each other like drama versus ninjas or drama versus vampires
0: i you know whenever they can throw in more spectacle i'm happy because these movies are cheap they're not very good they're meant to be disposable so i want them to be fun in whatever way possible and i'm not necessarily as concerned about overall plot although i have to be able to follow it in some way but if you want to throw in multiple genres especially if one of those genres is not melodrama then uh i'm probably going to be happier
1: i don't know if that's a little too vague but no 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 i, I totally get it i mean it does need to make uh, some noise it, it, it can't be like serious and serious in the ifd and filmmark footage that's not what i'm looking for so i want the noise there and then when that contrasts against like huge <laughs> melodrama, sometimes I, I I just find that delightful. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a cinematic sadist in that in, in that way maybe. But uh, but also, what I also find delightful is uh, that Thomas Tang and his crew are confident in daylight horror because there's a hopping vampire attack on one of the Western guys. Uh, maybe after this uh, scene with the fortune teller, it's so delightfully goofy to me that this very Eastern element is element. Is paired up with a Western player that hopping vampires is, or are attacking a Western guy. You know, and, and, and it's in this scene where he turns into a ninja and stuff like that. But uh, maybe this is how the, I don't know if you knew this, but they actually attempted to remake Mr. Vampire once upon a time. And I say attempted, they never finished it. It just uh, fell fell apart. They had. Yeah. Uh, oh. uh, Jack Scalia on it. Uh, I think Scalia was his last name, and they would have had Tanya Roberts. I think they replaced her. And they cast one of the guys who appeared as a stuntman in uh, Mr. Vampire, but his English wasn't very good and it sort of fell apart. So that footage has never been seen because the movie was never finished, but it, it, it is rumored to exist. So maybe this scene where the western guys attacked by hopping vampire maybe that's sort of how the unfinished mr vampire remake felt Uh, Mm -hmm. even though they wouldn't feature what they feature in this scene uh, which i'm sure you remember at least vaguely where i mean they don't telegraph anything here that these western guys also are ninjas and vampire uh, ninjas and robots Mm -hmm. (laughs) what do you think about that that out of the blue like smoke and boom ninja
0: yeah, I mean, that's definitely one of those like, I don't know, let's do this kind of moments. And uh as a as a viewer who's not expecting a lot, I say sure. I mean, I would have loved it if they could if they had a line to explain it and allow me to put explain in enormous quotes, "Don't turn into a ninja until you really need to." <laughs> yeah, I mean, I my understanding from watching enough of these movies is that you have to be a cop to also be a ninja.
1: But he was a he was a movie producing guy. He's a film too. producer, yeah. yeah. I'm like, well, alright. You know, come okay. on, give me give me a little more than that. Well, at least he gets to fight uh, uh, an undead muscle man, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah that was, that was pretty awesome, wasn't it? <laughs> it was sort of like like beefy Frankenstein zombie. Yep, and I, I think that's delightful again, taking place in daylights. Yes. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. They have nighttime scenes, uh, plenty of them. So, so they haven't forgotten about their cash cow, which is uh, ninjas, obviously. So, um, and they're not particularly good at hiding the double here behind them, behind a them, uh, ninja mask, yeah, because they ha- they have a close up of the double, and you can clearly see it's a it's an Asian man behind there. So they, they do a little sloppy doubling work there, rather than when at IFT, you you got close ups of Richard Harrison and Stuart Smith as they, uh as they uh, when they're in close up and then cut to the stuntman again, so they're they're a little bit sloppy.
0: That's okay. I can't fault them for that. I did the same thing in Ninja: The Mission Force with a a, a male stunt double for a fem- for a female actor. Well, it wasn't at the gag though. No, I think I just I was I was uh, I didn't have enough footage, so I had to use the the wrong close up.
1: It was fun, it was fun, though. And it is fun here, I'm not uh, putting them down. Or anything think it's just one of those uh, one of those notes. You know, uh, the whole house uh, sequence, we come to that, and it starts to affect the girls and all of that, and we get uh, echoes of uh, a famous Wes Craven movie. I mean, I kind of know answer, but I'm going to ask, ask it anyway for sake of context does any of the shenanigans at the house at the, as the movie goes on hold any tension as uh, the vampire starts to chase the girls and affect the girls was it just sort of basic like smoke machine and go i don't know i mean let's how about interest it was it was it
0: held my interest i wanted to see what happened because there was enough weird stuff going on that i never quite knew what was going to happen if somebody was going to die um, once they set up early on that a whole big horror action sequence with the murder was all a dream, um, which makes very little sense considering what happens later. And some of those characters who were in somebody's dream are actually for real. For real, uh, you know, it's. Um, I didn't. I didn't know what was going to happen, so I was curious. How about that?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's very fair. And also, I, I, my interest level was held because uh, Sun Chen. Qian- as the vampire, the, the you know human-turned vampire, he looks a bit more deader. You know they they really go not to town, but to make sure he looks a bit more, you know, dead and uh, gruesome as uh, made up. Uh, and also, and there's a sort of question: Do you think there is an echo here of uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. There's no question. Um, I mean, they they do some of the. The possession stuff from Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two, um, where Joyce is possessed by um, the spirit of the evil um, Freddy Krueger-esque monster with the the knife claws, um, which is totally a thing that happens. Uh, then there's some other little bits like a hand coming up out of the bed and uh, stuff like that.
1: It's good fun and it looks pretty good. Like the, the prop prop that they bought or made looks, you know, okay. Like the uh, the claw prop that uh, Sun Chen is wearing so it uh, sort of looks good and uh, and uh, sufficiently shot and all of that I, I, I sort of agree. Well, one of my favorite um, quotes and i am got to put in but I'm going to say it anyway it's it's sort of, it's said it's an it's, it's audible dialogue but it sounds like one of those like I Chinglish subtitles from these Hong Kong movies because Joyce says at one point, bullshit, nut get back to work quickly <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> and bullshit nut. sounds like it sounds like a crew member from Hong Kong says said to her in broken English, like "say that," because who says bullshit nut? <laughs> and I thought, I thought to myself, it's exactly like a subtitle I see time and time again in these movies.
0: I just met a ghost. Bullshit nut. Get back to work quickly. Absolutely. And there's some, there's some great dubbing in that, in that same scene when uh, Joyce is uh, at the pool and she's floating around in her little floaty deal and uh, the Freddy Krueger hand comes up and, and punctures it. And so she falls, falls into the pool and uh, Cindy says, how come you fell into the water? And Joyce says, the air in the float went out, making me fall into the water. <laughs> Act more. <laughs> no. Yes. Oh, my
1: gosh. It's amazing. How come you fell into the water? The air
0: and the float got out, making me fall into the water.
1: Extend your acting like that. thats the Godfrey Ho technique, but not Godfrey Ho on this one. But uh, you know, if I am being true and honest here, I mean it—it it, it does seem a bit more awkward as a movie compared to like Robo Vampire, which I think has total momentum. It just is wildly goofy, and it yep. uh, also comes with a surprise factor that they're all, they're doing it almost all themselves but it is a way more confident production like the acting here is uh, sort of uh, you know mostly awkward there's a character called Mr Lawrence that uh, feels like a very you know he isn't an actor and it, it he looks like he isn't uh, very like I wouldn't do any better but he is clearly awkward in his dialogue scenes so the momentum comes and goes but there there are enough like yeah, flourishes here as the movie Uh, truck towards the end. I mean, if we cut back to the Thai movie, there's a completely reckless car bombing sequence. And when I say completely reckless, do you remember the debris from that car bombing that goes all over the place?
0: Oh yeah, I was worried for the cameraman.
1: Yeah, because it it is a long shot, and there's water in between um, uh, the camera and uh, the road where the car blows up, but that debris goes... Think of the explosion in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly when they blow up the bridge. (laughs) that, <laughs> that debris almost hits the actors that are far, far, far away from it, over stuntmen. So it's 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 a joy for me when uh, when Asian action cinema is that reckless. I mean, it, it's stuff you never see in uh, in Western cinema where everything needs to be controlled and stuff like that. So, but but it, it's like flourishes in the Thai movie. And although there, there's not a lot of it here, maybe the percentage is seventy percent film, mark thirty Thai, something like that. But. Uh, there's, uh, there's not a whole lot of uh, momentum here and I'm always glad when we we get more filmic uh, you know touches like the stuff like the painting uh, that changes from you know a clear looking face to more of a gruesome face with like crusty scabby wounds like the thomas tang sort of preferred hobby vampire zombie makeup uh, i kind of like that gruesome touch but uh, the limp, the chasers of the girls I mean, they're, they're they're pretty limp because San Chen can clearly catch them at any time he likes, you know, because these girls are slow, you know, uh, uh, you know, as they run away from or try to avoid him attacking uh, them with the claw and all of that. So, you know, Sun Qian, veteran action performer, these girls are brought in for this probably one-time acting jobs. So I don't uh, blame them, but it's more of a fun aspect that these girls would be dead like minute ten. If this movie played it realistically, but uh, it's uh, you know it delights me, and uh, you know even even the vampire makes a note—not no, a note—he says—and this delighted me to no end that he's on Jackson's side. You will never complete the script. Lawrence is finished. No one can defeat Jackson. Yes at one point he sides like, like he, he they sort of tried to tie together the plot that hey I'm working for Jackson I'm a vampire <laughs> like wow awesome King Jackson yeah exactly so so yeah and the final note on the Thai movie it's you know as fun as it has sort of been in bursts with uh, the heavy duty violence it sort of peters out I mean there's comedic, a comedic car chase and a conventional action ending on a boat and automatic machine weapons fire, firing back and forth so What did you do? Look, you're a lousy driver. Terrible. Now get on the radio. Go on. It certainly doesn't end in a standout fashion that sort of connects to how sort of cold and callous clearly characters have been. But, uh, you know, overall it looks a a little bit better than these movies usually do within the context that IFT and film mock movies present them in. But how would you add... Explain and review Robo warriors out of the blue appearance in the Vampire is Alive. does it make it a true sequel? Of course
0: it does no, absolutely not i mean it's it's one of those cases where I think they had the costume lying around and they're like well it's it's clear it's clearly super high quality and great, so we should reuse it and so uh it's it's the same guy who turns into a ninja yep he's a ninja Robo warrior. He, he spins around and, uh, like Wonder Woman, turns into the Robo-Warrior from Robo-Vampire, but is in no way an actual robot. He doesn't move like a
1: robot like Robo-Warrior did in the previous film. Yeah, they've stopped all that. There's no, none of that anymore.
0: No, no. It's just, uh, it's just his armor costume. And, uh, and no, there's no explanation or anything. But still, good or bad, great or bad. Oh, great! Absolutely great! It uh, it elevates the um, the ending uh, and makes a, makes it a lot more fun.
1: Yeah, it's him versus uh, Sun Chen uh, again in the vampire suit, and uh, him and his trusted shotgun uh, that he always carries with him. He doesn't have a huge arsenal. Which does, like, nothing to the vampire, but it keeps using it. Yeah, yeah, that's all we got, man. (laughs) Like, there's nothing built into the damn suit or anything. It doesn't have rockets or crap like that. I
0: I guess when when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a a nail.
1: Yeah, I suppose. But uh, I I agree. I mean, the randomness of him just appearing makes it totally fun. We get the flimsy suit again with no improvements made in the stability of it all. uh, Obviously, it's a very cloth Like, yeah, so, but uh, you counter with Robo Vampire, or Robo Warrior rather, brilliant, brilliant. Now, Robo versus Vampire, well, we we sort of did that before. As you said, we still have the suit. Someone will like it somewhere down the line, you know, that we brought it back. So, um, and then, yeah, it's very spirited. I mean, again, Sun Chen is uh, is providing a, a, you know, a spirited performance uh, in in all his scenes, really. Like, he, he... he gets it it seems like he gets this the sort of goofiness of it all uh, and is a uh, you know sort of trusted veteran to to sell this based on the uh the uh sort of uh, material at his disposal here so it, i i think uh sin Sun chen is um something to you know a working actor that uh isn't uh, like above this or anything like that so i like that but, but I did get confused uh, by by the end here and uh, I, I think it's fun but all of a sudden there's a vampire kid that comes on the scene and who wants payback for his mother and he, like, there's a great stomach burst though mm-hmm. which looks genuinely great but it's probably one of the many sequences that you also thought were sort of like um, okay, I don't know Yep, yeah, that, that sums it up Perfectly, actually. Like I've lo- I lost the ability to follow anything by that point. I mean, it was pretty straightforward if you just focus on the film plot, anyway.
0: Yeah, if, if I can attempt to explain it, I think the idea here is that uh, the the evil uh, Freddy Krueger vampire has to possess Joyce um, so that he can be reborn as a as a real as a real human being, and uh, it, that sort of devolves into this child vampire bursting out of Joyce's stomach. And uh, the kid is apparently, you know, the the child of Joyce and the Freddy Krueger monster. It's, he's not – who is not reborn because he's still there. Uh, but then there's just this kid now. And anyway, Joyce is fine um, apparently. Uh, her her stomach heals immediately. Um, she's Wolverine.
1: And what happened in the movie script?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe she wrote that instead. I mean she spends the entire um, – her entire – writing time, reading about the Emperor of China as if she's never heard of him before. I don't think that her screenplay would have been super great, is all I'm saying.
1: Joyce! What's happened to you? What happened? We better run, Dickson. I can't control myself. <laughs> so yeah, but it ends in an awesome fashion. I mean, that, that is not like energy that would rival Mr. Vampire, but they do... It's, it's very Hong kong centric and but not very western flavored so again I wonder if this did well at all I mean if they made up a great poster maybe someone bought it but you know we know we knew Japan did but uh, they, they they bought any random stuff from IFT and film god bless them but uh, I I doubt this was like uh, an element that could rival the ninja craze that uh, came before it but uh, you know it's about being a businessman. You you take ch- chances sometimes. You you're not just in it for the fun. You know he was a businessman after all. There's money to be made. So who knows? I don't have any other notes. So uh, do you want to say something else, or should we talk availability? No, I think I'm good. I think uh, I think that's covered pretty much all of my notes. I obviously recommend it. I think it's fun, but I, I wouldn't uh, I, I wouldn't throw Robo Vampire and this at you know, at the same time. I mean, if you sort of like the feeling of Robo Vampire, especially that there's more footage by the the filmmakers, uh, fil- filmmakers. If you like that notion, then yeah, Vampire is alive. Give it a shot. Come back a week after watching RoboVampire and watch this one. After having watched RoboVampire twice. Yes, this right, time. of course. <laughs> okay, as for availability, there is a widescreen version circulating that originally was released on Japanese VHS and it's a full scope frame and good quality and it ended up ...on a DVD. Uh, it's ended up on DVD a couple of times uh, in the US, courtesy of BCI. Probably with the Japanese subtitles uh, matted, so, um, uh, because I think those subtitles are in the black frame only... ...so they could just uh, put a black over it. And I, I don't know if that is totally a legit release or not by BCI in by doing that. But uh, seeing as the Japanese VHS is more expensive and a collector's piece... And you can get BCI's double feature of this and the Filipino film Magic of the Universe quite cheap. There's no reason, in my opinion, to pause on The Vampires Alive uh, where you can see it the way that Edgar, Jerry or Jerr wanted to in full widescreen. And even for these goofy movies, it makes a hell of a lot of difference. Do you have any fear on that if this is totally a bootleg or BCI or, or somehow in the right legally to release it this way?
0: Yeah, I, you know, I've never, I, I don't really have a beat on BCI the way I do about, say, Video Asia. So, um, I, you know, I figure, one in doubt if maybe, maybe it's official. I haven't the foggiest idea. I don't know who owns the Filmark uh, rights, if anybody. So, um,
1: oh, no, that's true. That's true. I mean, they're around still. I think they're still a registered company, even though, um, um I mean, if, if, if I, the, I think, I'm a, little, a bit more active even though they're not releasing movies, but I think uh, Filmmock, uh, I don't think they have folded. I might be wrong, but uh, regardless, uh, they like don't, don't pass it up. I mean, it's not uh, a rare DVD that people want like 300 bucks for or anything, so mm-hmm. there it is. Okay, let's take a short break, and after that we'll talk Revenge of the Vampire. We conclude the trilogy with the movie that is actually dated before The Vampire is Alive. It's a 1987 movie, and I call it the trilogy. It's my sort of Silly way of like, hey, there's sort of a Robo in there. There were two other Robo. They were filmock. I call it a trilogy. Like in my mind, it works. Like I'd, I'd love to pair these, or uh, not pair, but uh, like uh, do a triple bill of these three movies. It makes sense to me. And in the order we've covered them, but uh, it, they, they have no true connection. Obviously, there's no uh, Freddy Krueger vampire. Uh, despite him bursting out of the ground in in the at the end of this one, he doesn't appear in Revenge of the Vampire. But we'll be back to discuss that after a break. And welcome back. And this uh, episode concludes with the review of Revenge of the Vampire from 1987. And a review from my, uh, Plot from my review of the film goes as follows Barely interacting with the source movie called The Giant of Casino from 1981, directed by Chan Jun Lung, director of The 3D Army, which is actually a 3D hopping vampire movie from Taiwan. Uh, good fun. Uh, Thomas Tang spins uh, spins Fred to attach that movie to the plot of Ronald, our sole westerner in this movie, I think, hiring a Taoist priest to create hopping vampire killers. Working on The Orders of Mary, played by Elsa Jung from the original movie, this is uh, a measure, a countermeasure, to take out Steve Cox, played by Wong... Stephen Cox? Stephen Cox. It's not even Steve. I think they go with Steve and all throughout in a respectful manner. Uh, played by Wong Goon Hong, who's about to be let out of prison, and he himself is after revenge on Mary and uh, the countermeasure by Phil Mock against against uh, you know against the villain against the Taoist priest and all of that is the future warrior played by Shun Kwok Ming. So uh, I, I think there's only one Westerner in this movie. Uh, so uh, it's uh, as I get to in my brief opi- uh, brief opinion, it's one of the most local movies. (laughs) One of the more local movies I've seen film produced. There's barely any westerners in this. Mm -hmm. Um, Outstanding it's, of course it isn't, but it has decent film energy and lunacy and quite extensive and actually great fight choreography. Plenty of it. With a bearable looking gangster outing from Taiwan, because I, I don't know the entirety of the giant of casino. I mean, it looks pretty pretty okay, so I find no reason to complain and the film crew look, look to be inspired having the action freedom, if talking that co- concept alone. But uh, what's your brief opinion of Revenge of the Vampire?
0: Yeah, I mean, I liked it okay. I think um, Pretty Okay is a good uh, summary of the Giant of Casino uh, footage. It's not as outrageous, outlandish, and um, anything goes as uh, Counter Destroyer. But it's, it's not bad. Don't worry about it. Those vampires are our slaves.
1: Yep, yep. And also the ratio is sort of evened out a little bit. I'd say 50-50. Yeah, that that sounds about right. Yeah, so it's not uh, a total reversal to what we're used to here, but it's a little bit less than uh, what we've uh, come to love and be delighted by in The uh, Robe of Vampire and the Vampire is Alive. But but you'd think it's a source movie we're watching when uh, you know Ricky Cheng, who was the actor playing the Taoist Priest, and he was in Five Element Ninjas, uh, like a, an actor working with... Um, The the legendary director, Chang Chia during the latter part of his career. And he plays the Taoist priest. And oh my god, this must be the source movie. Cut to, oh, there's a westerner here too. (laughs) You know, Ronald. Who I've never seen in a movie before and since. Uh, That delights me. And the the commercial thought uh, is here that we gotta sell it to the international market. So we gotta have it in English. Having someone to speak English. But still, like, it's... It's so Fred Bear. They, it seems like they could have just made their own Hong Kong hopping vampire movie. But, uh, you know, the market train of thought is what goes here. But uh, there, it is one of the least uh, Western tinted movies. For yeah, I don't know if that creates less color for the movie. I mean, did, did you miss the goofy Western acting, for instance?
0: No, no, I didn't. But I mean, I think, you know, part of the joy of the movie is um, uh, pretending you're 12 years old and laughing every time they say something like, We've lost Cox. <laughs> and uh, Cox won't live long after ruining your wedding day. It's like, oh, wow.
1: Believe me, I snickered quite a yeah, few times yeah. because uh, they always refer to him with his full name, obviously, because he gotta. Yeah, Stephen Cox. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Stephen Cox. I even think they missed his, not the Cox name, but I think they went all sloppy and referred to to his first name as something else in one scene because I thought like, hey, did I hear wrong? wasn't it Steven because they say something else. but then eh, they get it right throughout the movie after that. but uh, you know it's it, it's quite delightful. They are creating vampires you know to, on the orders of Elsa Jung from that other movie. I just think that, wow, if you tie it up it's and shoot it and edit it, it works, you know, you know whatever. we make it work, we shoot it out, take it if you like. And I, I, I'll gladly take it out.
0: Yeah. Oh, I agree entirely. And, you know, they do some interesting – well, interesting is maybe the wrong word. Uh, but uh, they try to make it work by uh, – you know, they want to they wanna kill the – they want to get Stephen Cox and they want to they wanna kill him with their hopping vampires. But um, – well, how come the Hopping Vampires never make it into that other movie? Oh, well, they were injured early on, and so now they're recharging and healing, so we're going to have to use conventional methods to try to kill Stephen Cox. That doesn't matter. Madame Mary's got Fox to take care of Cox. That'll give us time to work on the vampires.
1: That's a movie. That's a you know a complete and finished movie, therefore. And, and uh, call it logic if you like, I call it good good fun. And, uh, and also, they are still not letting go of their prior cash cow because we got the appearance of ninjas that sometimes are referred to as shadow warriors for this one oh yeah and
0: also ninja zombies slash ninja hopping vampires and they
1: don't look particularly good as uh, sort of directed and choreographed they sort of look su- super awkward but then when the asian action performers get to perform action that's where the confidence comes in again so mm-hmm. it's, it's sort of like yeah i guess we jump around like this but can we start kung fu fighting, well, that, that's gonna be awesome. I can spot a confidence, though, in the way if we presume Phil Mark was sort of a team making this, these movies, again, the theory that we discussed, I can spot a confidence in the team here, in the way they're, you know, making or uh, crafting the opening scene, you know, the timing of the physical fire effects as Enrique Chang, so to say, moving objects around as the priest performs his ritual on uh, on his altar and all of that that's just my fear sort of filmmaking confidence that we we can pull this off we're a hong kong crew people have done this and we can sort of make it so sort, sort of snappy and energetic through editing and effects and all of that so what do you think in general if you when you see uh, stuff like that
0: i thought that the practical effects were solid um and there was some some fun albeit not wholly convincing reverse photography um but i couldn't Call it lazy, especially compared to IFD ninja stuff,
1: which is mostly colored smoke bombs. When you sometimes think about IFD and filmock and compare them, I might be remembering wrong. But, well, I know for a fact that the IFD really framed the way uh, they structured their footage in, in such a tight, uh, pre- predictable way. I'm not talking for framing, uh, widescreen framing, but their footage was so calculated, maybe is the term. filmock. The general impression is that they totally weren't as calculated. You couldn't sit there and have a drinking game with your friends about death lists and when the vampires are gonna appear and what they're gonna do. I sort of I sort of like that. That there is this alternate view of uh, things in cut and paste cinema that Filmock could provide. And sometimes I think Filmock is just more fun than IFD because, you know, when we watch two IFD movies for this show, that features sort of uh, calculated footage. That isn't super fun to watch twice in a row. But with filmock sometimes the, we get a variety of stuff going on, and I always appreciated that. You've been slowly converting me, I think, over the course of this
0: podcast. Like, of the, this the pod, podcast series. Yes. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've always been a, sort of an IFD, like, major IFD proponent. And I still am. But there is that calculated quality with a number of their films that do make some of them very tedious to watch. Whereas it seems like there might be a more per movie. What am I trying to say? Uh, they look at each movie on its own and see what needs to be done to it as opposed to stick the, the standard five ninja fight scenes In the movie, no more than 15 minutes, get it out the door.
1: Exactly. I think that's a um, a very precise uh, analysis of uh, this situation. And yes, listeners, you can analyze Filmock movies and IFD movies, and you should sometimes. It's uh, not all, it's all laughs. But it just does a little bit more too. Uh, there's a moody intro shot for Stephen Cox or Wong Goon Hong, the actor. So the, the the tech the Taiwanese footage looks very technically able. Very very well shot and moody. Despite the movie looking sort of like a standard gangster action, but it has some elegant uh, elegant surroundings and elegant shots. But when you think we're gonna Stick with the Taiwan movie. NAP. Nope, we're not done. Cut to shun Kwok Ming and uh, an um, Hong Kong actor, a Taiwanese actor. Who knows? In a restaurant scene and more vampire attacks. Ronald's vampire killers. Vampires? No such thing as that. So you okay? Right on. Like uh, still a ratio reversal. Um, Chun Kwok Ming, you might remember. We talked of him. Uh, he was in one of the people on the death list in *Diamond Ninja Force*. Uh, one of the actual uh, martial artists that uh, Richard Harrison fights. So uh, he's, uh, you know, he he's been around and a lead in a few few movies. Uh, but they don't telegraph who he is and what he can do. And all of a sudden, he transforms into a new kind of robo warrior, and you go. With a big, wide smile on your face, at least I do. What the heck? Mm. <laughs> All right, more Robo, more vampires, more film. Mark. I mean, it's as I said, there's more uh, half of the footage in this movie is probably their own. I mean, it did, does this make a Ned Glazer feel good about proceedings? When boom, I'm a Robo. Absolutely. And and he doesn't say that. That would have been great, but he doesn't say that. He just he transforms into what is the futuristic warrior
0: yeah i mean like we talked about before uh more film arc equals more spectacle and uh and fantastic elements
1: you know it's it's, it's a little bit of a shoddy uh, suit um, too i mean it's not meant to be an upgrade right but uh, have they uh, <laughs> have they still understood their original flaws or what is what is the pros and cons of this suit
0: i i can't necessarily call it a connected in any way to the Robo Warrior suit, except in as much as they kind of wanted to continue with that feel. Uh, But this one is more like Spaceman. And uh, unlike Robo Warrior, he is the futuristic warrior, and he's got this very simple Mylar jumpsuit with a wide belt made out of the same material and like a Prince of Space helmet with the the Robocop esque slit for the eyes and these dial nubbins on the
1: side, and and almost like um sort of um scarf a silver scarf too because it always seems to be flowing a little bit. uh, Yeah, I think it's just the way it's like tied up. It's wonderful. I I love love the platter. I mean, despite being very, very filled with stuff, they cram so much into it. Again, throwing as you said, spaghetti on the wall just to see what fits, or rather sticks. He has the right energy and sort of distance to the material. They never really took it seriously because I think they knew they were making fun stuff. You know, Joseph Lai has said that on, on the record, so to say, that this is obviously not art. It's we want to sell. But, you know, it's supposed to be fun. We, we're not making a ninjutsu statement here or anything. So, uh, mm-hmm. And they're not trying to have any slow spots, clearly, Phil Mark. So you'd think that Stephen Cox revenge is gonna be at the forefront but nope we're gonna set that aside because we have some stuff we want to throw at you and uh, to create as little slow spots as we can and i think it i think that theory sort of works i i don't remember being totally bored or anything by uh by anything that went on here so um i think uh, yeah will he be back maybe right then kill him he's that damn futuristic warrior
0: Speaking of uh, the futuristic warrior, is that uh, Stuart Smith doing the voice?
1: I was just about to ask you that. That was my next note. If you thought that was Stuart Smith, I think it is. It's When he dubs characters, he isn't as wild as when he appears on screen. Not that kind of guy. I think it is. I mean, if it's not, it's another fantastic Aussie that they yeah. have uh, dubbing Shun Kwok Ming. And we know he dubbed that Filmark. He dubbed the Pai Yin character in Silver Dragon Ninja, and it clearly was Stuart Smith. Not that it was a wild performance, but you just hear it's him.
0: And, of course, he's in he's in uh, filmmark movies as well
1: with his other name. Yeah, Stuart Steen. That's right. Ninja in the Killing Fields is one that I uh, remember seeing him in. If it's not... Fine, but uh, I'm going to go with the assumption because it just makes me happy that Stuart Smith dubs our futuristic uh, warrior. So, uh, uh, but, but yep, as I said, it's certainly not boring. Uh, we find out that this is how they decide to tie footage together by pouring on the vampire content and the gangster content. And uh, that's what we have. That's what you're going to have to accept and I have no problem doing that. And uh, again, the Taiwanese movie has... Uh, you know, fairly elegant-looking surroundings. It's well-costumed. It's not a cheapie, necessarily. And, uh, again, we don't have a lot of context to go with here. And I haven't seen the original movie in any any other shape either, so I, so I don't know. But, you know, I assume it has an element of revenge, too. What do you think? Yeah,
0: it is some kind of revenge story, the idea that uh, uh, Mary Put away Stephen Cox in jail, um, set him up or something, and he's been in jail for 10 years and now he wants revenge on her and is uh, taking it slowly sort of um, uh, Count of Monte Cristo style, although on a much smaller scale.
1: And, and then they dub in vampire and shadow warrior sometimes. So, so uh, yes, But, of but, but again, there isn't, they they can't interact at all. They they don't attempt that either because uh, they don't do any scene where Stephen Cox like says, "What is that thing?" And then cut to vampires or anything because there's no real logical way to make that exciting and like create peril based on that. So uh, w- wisely, so they didn't do any any filmmaking choices like that. I said it has, so it's not boring, but as with any film arc movie, the momentum can come and go, and things like that. It's not always hilarious, but I was continually impressed by the fight and weapons choreography. Because you might remember that, going back to IFT, there was barely any time scheduled, it seemed, to craft choreography because it was so short. So here's an example where they clearly have given time to choreograph really tons of stuff, uh, both for the end of the movie and mid-movie. And as a Hong Kong cinema fan, and even Taiwanese, certainly appreciated that because these stuntmen are skilled. They are totally super skilled. They are dressed like fools, obviously. Being, you know, mm-hmm. vampire shadow warriors and a futuristic warrior, but they are skilled, skilled guys who are taking bumps and doing acrobatic stuff that is just uh, reckless, too. So uh, was that an element that sort of stuck with you that there's a lot more action here?
0: I'm not sure if I could compare it, but um, I liked that there was a fair amount of actual fighting action with the vampires because if I guess if you compare it to robo-vampire, a lot of the vampire material simply involves them hopping around after people and then biting them.
1: Yeah, they, they, they keep them that stiff. But here they sort of do that but makes them very like they're all super action able too they they're not stiff as they fight you know they they uh, they're, they're fully able so uh, yes and that keeps it interesting very, very much so and uh, Ed, i think coherency is pretty decent it's not a difficult film to follow um compared to vampires alive who made it quite difficult by the end anyway um or what do you think coherency wise it's uh, it's doing for for you yes no i i agree completely and and it continues to be amusing because they dub in stuff like uh, you know Elsa Young's character saying like the vampires will get you, Stephen Cox.
0: You're gonna die. The vampires will get you, and I'll be there when they do. You bitch.
1: Uh huh. Or or,
0: his, or her um, fiance when she when uh, he learns the truth about his uh, about Mary says uh, she never mentioned any vampires to me. She was the queen of the underworld.
1: No way. Yes, it's true she was behind the vampires i mean that's so wonderfully stupid i i love at the with the movie because it it sort of is that sort of random movie generator thing that actually creates a movie D- this is what happened and it sort of is coherent and made sense but obviously there's people who tied this all together but i i just find that wonderful um i'm i'm, I'm easy to Please, but I'm not automatically pleased during every IFT and filmmark movie. Like there needs to be some fun and energy there, and it, you can't just dub in your plot in he, here and there in the other movie and connect it to your your footage, and that's automatic fun. No, you you need to put forth some, dare I say it, craftsmanship to make this fun. Mm-hmm. You know, it's as easy as that. Um, I mean, you know that as a filmmaker, you can't just point and shoot and. Claim that you have done something, you know, superb, just because you right. you you shot it. Uh, so so d- deserves a little bit more, I think, as uh, filmmakers and uh, to that that confidence level I, I can sense here. I know you haven't seen, for instance, the original *Mr. Vampire*, but based on the snippets of stuff throughout these three movies, *Robo Vampire*, *Vampires Alive*, and this one, uh, *Revenge of the Vampire* or *Devil's Dynamite*. Can you see the genre appeal of uh, the hopping vampires and the Taoist priests uh, doing their thing to combat them, and the special effects that that involves? Uh, or is it uh, unfair to judge the genre appeal based on what filmmak does?
0: That, I mean, yeah, it's probably the latter. But I, and and so and from those, I have a I have a difficult time because I I sort of kind of half get it, you know. And uh, but uh, there are liberties that maybe this one that these movies take that maybe the sort of originals uh, don't um, that make things a little bit stranger. I mean, I kind of get that the whole idea behind them is that they're from an older era, so they have an older uh, era's clothing and the hopping comes from sort of the rigor mortis and the body stiffness and so it all, along from that, I mean, you, you even see them pop up in Super Mario Land for the Game Boy. Really? Wow. Play it again. you'll You'll see them. But then modern characters get attacked and die and become Hopping vampires, and they're wearing the old clothing, and they're they're not as they're not as rigor mortis, and they're doing the same thing. And sometimes they can fight, and sometimes they can't. And there's an enormous amount of time uh, spent on rituals that, because they're sort of arbitrary, don't hold a lot of visual uh, or sort of story
1: interest. hmm which is very fair. And I can say filmock totally drops the rule book uh, here. Like the the stuff in Mr. Vampire, the real the rigamorti stuff, the vampires that do have to battle, they don't break out of that stiffness, you know, stiff acting. They they are difficult to battle, but they keep it they, they keep that rule going. Filmock just kind of drops it and has fun with it.
0: Yeah. The one one thing I find interesting is the the use of little prayer notes that you can stick on their head and they become inactive, um, and that's cool. I always call them post-its because that's sort of yeah. how they're done. You know, you write you 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 write a little prayer on a post-it real quick, and then you stick it on their head, and they and they stop. Um, and that's always been fun.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's uh, a it's always created uh, entertaining sequences, whether in Mr. Vampire* or other movies where foolish uh, assistance to uh, the Taoist priest master manages to make them detach from the heads of the, film, of the vampire and they get chased around so you know depending on the filmmaker in charge that that is a lot of fun and uh, because there are copycats to this stuff i mean if you got the actor Lam Ching ying in these copycats at least he always came off uh, very well but uh, there are some copycats uh, out there that are not as fun but i always have fun with the genre though it, it never it never bothered me and there, there there's some stuff here Connecting back to the Samo Hong movie Encounter of the Spooky Kind, aka Spooky Encounters, when Shun Kwok Ming has all the uh, writing uh, written on him, uh, which is sort of protective uh, protective spells, I suppose. That there's a sequence in Encounter of the Spooky Kind where uh, where nude Samohong Hong has uh, all that uh, written on him and stuff like that. Oh my. So Well, he is obscured; you don't see his willy. But uh, <laughs> yeah. that, so good, good. Like, like if you want to watch two really good movies out of this sort of genre canon, if you will. Mr. Vampire and Encounter of the Spooky Kind um, are, you know, reference examples, uh, you know, admitted by a lot of the fan community, but but uh, that they are, and I certainly recommend them. I think they are the perfect ones for entertainment and uh, sites you, uh, creative sites you rarely see in cinema. You want revenge, and you go to Mary to get it, and that's why she has ordered Ronald to create the vampire killers. Again, the Taiwanese movie, The Giant of Casino, which is a wonderful, slightly mangled English title, it's uh, sufficient and standard uh, filmmaking, evidently, but the colorful and fun nature belongs to the film footage, and that's why this movie succeeds, in my eyes, quite well. You know, if we'd if we if we'd had mostly the Taiwanese footage, I'm not sure we would have come off liking this movie as much. It's not technically lazy, the Taiwanese movie, but... Um, it doesn't seem like a hidden gem out of this early 80s uh, gangster, uh, gangster canon. But uh, I would like to see the original. I'm quite a fan of Taiwanese movies. Quite a big fan of Elsa Jung, who looks great in this movie. Uh, you know, Part of that well-costumed note that I gave you earlier listeners, I think, extends to her. And she, she's quite an iconic uh, actress. So, um, no, but I'm curious about the original movie. But uh, the versus the Filmock footage, Filmock clearly is, uh, is uh, the winner, but I always ask you this, despite uh, be- because of how unrelated the elements are here, obviously, the genres are quite unrelated, Taiwan versus Filmock. How-, how strong is the feeling that this is totally one new movie called Devil's Dynamite or Revenge of the Vampire? Mm, visually, the, the two um, kind of
0: Fit okay, uh, film stock wise and color and so forth. Like that's that didn't bug me. I think knowing how film work works, then everything flowed okay. But if I was coming at this without any knowledge of cut and paste cinema, I would probably be a little bit doubtful of how this all fits together.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's that's pretty much fair. I agree. What I would have wanted, though. Post this movie, or at least known a bit more within the movie. Uh, but I, in 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 my heart, I would have liked another episode of Futuristic Warrior. I wanted more of Shun Kwok Ming to know what what his deal is. Is he Robo? Is he just futuristic?
0: <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I, I think by the by the time I watched this one, I sort of had given up on on getting story about them. But yes, I, I sure would like to know because he, it does seem to be that his background is in. Taoism, because he consults the uh, Taoist priest and gets protection from him and and learns techniques and so forth, but
1: uh, in- including, by the way, moonwalking. I, I, I don't need his backstory, but I wanted it.
0: I do too, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I I, I do want to know what the connection is between Taoism and uh, Spaceman.
1: Yeah, it's nothing. Uh, it's Phil Mark's own creation, I will guarantee you that. I've seen most of this um, these movies that happen post uh, Mr. Vampire breaking through. This didn't happen in any of them, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> um, Some so minor teeth in the Taiwanese movie that I forgot to mention. There's a wonderfully gross scene where a character sticks a knife into his own eye. The, the, the guy with the eye patch, I think. Uh, there's also a subplot about Stephen Cox's gold. And uh, at one point, this character is confronted and uh, rather than being killed, he kills himself by sticking a knife into his own eye. You know, it's cut to a dummy that they... Uh, shove a knife into It's but it works. The cut works re- really well. They, they don't linger on the dummy or anything. It's uh, it's a really like a boom boom cut, and also intact in this version, thankfully, um, like it's not censored or anything. So uh, I I enjoy that the teeth that, that you can create using very little means, you know, low budget means, uh, effects wise. Who do you want? You want me? Some elements from Mr. Vampire, you know. They they do try and do here like vampire busting gadgets like like these uh, strings that, that the vampires walk walk into and then explosives are set off on them because they they touch the strings and then then they all spark and what have you. So uh, they did it more elaborately in Mr. Vampire and even animated the strings. You know. Mm. That's cool they they sort of i think filmark they did quite a clever thing and they light it. It looks like uh it's not a an animated effect over it, but it sort of it looks like it illuminates that string yeah 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 i'm not I'm not sure how they did that. I also like the
0: the anti sorcery
1: mirror, which uh sort of appeared in both films, yeah, the only thing filmark can't do is again the animated effect usually when that mirror does its thing, it sends out not laser bolts but uh, some kind of energy bolt that needs to indicate that uh, it hits. Uh, it hits the vampire, but the uh, F- are not. Um, their filmmakers are not shoddy by any stretch of the imagination here. But it's not a thing I think they maybe knew how to do, or simply didn't have the money to do because th- those effects require some post-production work that maybe wasn't in the budget for. But it still works. Still works. And again, I gotta credit. The impressive and acrobatics between Shun Kwok Ming and the variety of vampire shadow warriors, and you know, the stuntmen. You know, it's one of the best choreography jobs on any of these movies, and it goes on for long. In Like it adheres to a standard that you see in many Hong Kong movies. I think it's totally impressive. The, the various folds that they do and the various, various elaborate choreography that they do, uh, you know, not just. You know, hand-to-hand stuff, but there's stunts involved in the midst of it too, and uh, yeah, they're falling on breakaway props and stuff. But it's so well shot; it's clearly by a team that has gathered so much experience working uh, under other action directors. And I think if it's one aspect that I've I've forgotten about this movie is how impressive it is as an action movie. And uh, I know these movies usually get poo-pooed on, and I'm not here to question your opinion, listeners, but. I've elevated, like, the action aspect in these movies uh, when we watch ID movies for the 10 seconds that they lost. They look good. But here we got a couple of minutes of it in total, and uh, I think it's wonderful. And I think they really did a good job, so... Uh, I'm a real live man. Feel that. My heartbeat. See? Vampires are dead, and I'm not dead. But who was that then? That's a real vampire. I hear. Okay boy, you come right now. We gotta talk of one more thing and then you can share if you have any other notes. But uh, we talk posters sometimes and uh, Phil Mark and IFD had great poster designers. Works of Art, man. The uh, poster for this one under the alternate title that it's mostly known as Devil's Dynamite. Which doesn't make any sense Devil Dynamite. Well, it, there.
0: It, makes, it makes less sense when you look at the actual print of the movie that says Devil
1: Dynamite. Yep, there it is. There it is, indeed. <laughs> so it's a bombastic poster, does so it break it down for a set? Like, does it match the flick? Oh, yeah, totally for sure. Just the way they always do. Uh, but no, it
0: is an amazing poster. There's, uh, in this pile of sort of post-apocalyptic rubble, there's... Uh, two or three blue-clad ninjas in the foreground, one of which has something like an M16 assault rifle, and the other has a rocket launcher that he's pointing at a couple of helicopters that are are (laughs) flying towards them at the top, um, one of which has been hit with a rocket and is in the process of exploding. What a drama. Nary a hopping vampire or a Stephen Cox in sight.
1: Isn't it genius marketing? I mean, I think I think they believed in their product, but still, we're selling movies here. We gotta create an action poster, and I I forgot the the tagline, which is,
0: "For the Shadow Warrior, no enemy is too deadly."
1: Oh boy, yeah, I haven't seen any other poster design uh, that for this one that that features Revenge of the Vampire. I've seen a screen cap from uh, from a wide print of this. That has revenge of the vampire on it, so uh, yeah. So, so that's why it's mostly known as Devil's Dynamite. It's certainly a relative
0: of the uh, Robo Vampire poster. It it has a very, very same, kind of similar feel.
1: Well, at least there, there was um, a hopping vampire there on the Robo Vampire poster. Didn't he have a chokehold on him and crap? Any... he did. And then there were
0: also uh, helicopters exploding.
1: I just love that. It's so energetic and they are totally works of art, man. I mean, someone had to paint this stuff and they did such a good job.
0: Uh, I would love to have some of these. I like the ones by Um uh, Eagle Leung, mm-hmm. uh, who did a lot of the IFD posters um, or the box art.
1: I would love posters of some of those. And then they did this effing Photoshop degradation of the original posters for their current promotional mm-hmm. materials. IFD, that is. That just looks awful it's really terrible like the ninja Terminator poster with uh, richard harrison in the air essentially like the hong kong skyline and they paste him onto the hong kong skyline you know above ground above water it looks awful absolutely awful
0: yeah i mean you can see if you go to the ifd website they have press kits for all of their films and you can see in all of the you know the first pages the front side of them is the poster for the film and they're all this photo chop nonsense
1: where Google Images holds most what you need if you want to look up original stuff, including the one for Ninja Terminator. Be a real man. Do unto yourself what others want to do to you. Cut your balls off. Uh, uh, uh. Yep, yep, yep. I'm done. I'm done. Do you have anything else you want to say? Yet? No, no. That's that's it for me as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're done with. the <laughs> I mean, I'm not totally serious when I say the Robo trilogy or the Robo Warrior trilogy. I still like the feeling of these movies belonging together if i were to put them on just as entertainment for once and not for work like this time i'd watch them all in that order and all of them because i just like the feeling of yeah those sort of film like robowar robo movies
0: yeah they're not i mean they're not sequels but they follow a similar train of thought and were clearly produced you know around the same time
1: and i wanted to i mean we have i haven't encountered it yet the, the, these weren't the only ones i mean you have Things like Vampire Raiders, Ninja Queen, I think, and I've seen a screen cap of it. Oh. It has the guy, uh, one of the guys who plays the sort of comedic uh, sidekick vampires in the Vampires Alive. He's in that, but I don't know the content of that or how the ratio works and all of that. But I haven't even pursued the movies. One of those I know it exists, but I just haven't yet. Uh, so um, I'm hoping that's another fun gem so we can make it a a quadruple bill here. (laughs) going to increase that. As for availability, it's mostly, unfortunately, only available cropped, despite a Japanese widescreen VHS existing, because I saw a screen cap of it uh, ages ago on the IFD Filmock Facebook group. Uh, BCI again put out this cropped full screen version on a DVD double bill Together with the widescreen version of Robo Vampire that also is from Japanese VHS, so uh, but I would love to see them all in widescreen. That would be would be such a luxury, and I applaud Japan. And it's not surprise, not not a surprise that Japan requested widescreen elements for for these movies for the VHS releases, and uh, they normally looked very very good to uh, for 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 VHS releases. I mean they were solid looking, colorful prints that film Shipped over to Japan. so um, And they were also in English. So they didn't dub them in Japanese or anything. Yeah, but this DVD by BCI can also be found very cheap. So if you're off the robo-vampire. And don't want to pay a lot of money for the VHS of it. That's on a possible boot. Possibly not uh, double-billed DVD. From BCI together with, so to say, the third one. In, in the trilogy, Devil's Dynamite. Or Revenge of the Vampire. So there it is. Uh, and it was definitely shot in... Uh, because I remember the screen cap was like 2.35, and that matches the era the original movie Giant of Casino was shot in. They, they, they usually still shot uh, scope movies uh, back then. So uh, so yeah, it, it looks uh, quite a like quite a cramped time, but uh, we take what we can get. Don't we?
0: Oh yeah, I mean you know that's that's
1: what it's all about is is uh, f- uncovering as much as you can. Indeed, indeed. And maybe sometime that VHS will surface, but it seems a bit more rare, and uh, or collectors haven't uh, unleashed it onto the internet yet, but uh, fingers crossed. Uh, next time, uh, no, nothing to announce, we're enjoying the freedom of programming this, uh, you know, these episodes freely after that initial run of IFT and Filmark background info that lasted for uh, five or six episodes. Uh, so, me and Ed will head into the Golden Ninja think tank and uh, we'll announce on the facebook uh, group like and we'll talk obviously uh, amongst ourselves and listen to uh, each other's suggestions and all of that uh, but uh, so i have no concrete plan but that uh, freedom is uh, quite a thing and we're not running out of stuff either and uh, there's stuff we haven't seen either which is cool we can go in blind on certain stuff too have you spent any time thinking of, oh yeah, I gotta bring that movie to the show, or you you, you take it episode by episode?
0: You yeah, sort of episode by episode. We've hit, we've hit all the major genres, as far as I can tell, so now we have to kind of pick out some more.
1: Yeah, I mean, that v- Vampire Raiders, uh, Ninja Queen, whatever it was called, maybe that, and I've obviously talked of that uh, IFD robo kickboxing movie that just per default needs oh, yeah. to be covered. Oh uh, yeah. Ring Rings Untouchable, Ed, which is an awful title and you know kickbox a robot a robot kickbox or whatever your alternate title for another market is so fits fits it because you know what you're getting so yeah we'll see there's pl- plenty of odd stuff to still cover in the way that we do but uh, for now we're gonna sign off uh, for first with some quick contact information and this has been the golden ninja podcast on the podcast on fire network we are located on podcast on fire.com along with all the other shows on hong kong cinema japanese cinemas leesy cinema and a variety of stuff Including uh, uh, bonus episodes that uh, are exclusive to the website. If you have any questions or feedback, what's your favorite out of the Robo Warrior Vampire trilogy? <laughs> so let us know. Podcast on fire at googlmail.com. You can also check us out on Facebook. If you, if you go to our website, there are handy buttons leading to our Facebook, our Twitter, our iTunes feed. So rate and subscribe and our Stitcher Radio page where you can stream us. And I write about, among other things, these kind of movies that we cover in this episode over at SoGoodReviews.com and my video hub is LazyKVideo.com, and my Twitter handle is at SoGoodReviews. And over to you, Ed. Where are you on the web with Neon Harbor and everything?
0: Sure. Um, you can find uh, myself and my work, which includes the uh, comedy series Ninja the Mission Force, that spoofs the kind of stuff we talk about on the show, at uh, neonharbor.com. Um, I'm also on Facebook at facebook.com slash neonharbor and Twitter at twitter.com slash neon underscore harbor.
1: We all pray that this uh, ninja uh, filmock exposure rather, and the robo exposure will trigger creativity to then subsequently trigger a season three of Ninja the Mission Force featuring <laughs> the ro- featuring Robo and vampires <laughs> and stuff like that. So, like the, it's my secret agenda, obviously. Ed, I, w- but, uh, <laughs> I wish I would love to. Yeah, uh, we'll, uh, even if it's only two seasons, well, good good job. We all enjoyed it, so we are done. So uh, there's only one thing to say. It tracks back to the whole uh, thesis of the show that is a Golden Ninja podcast, and you kids need to remember one lesson. If you take only one lesson away from all of this nonsense it is i am the champion of the ninjas